If you're the kind of person, as I can tend to be, who, while on some sort of road trip, even though Siri's going to announce every turn you need to make miles before you need to make it, you still want to open up that paper map and follow along, get the big picture view, then let me help you situate yourself on the sermon journey we're going to enjoy over the next several months. I'm calling it the big, huge story of your whole life which may seem a little presumptuous. I don't know each of you all that well, and some of you I don't know at all, but I do know the story of which your life is a part. We're going to begin by leaping and bounding our way through the Old Testament all the way up until Advent, which begins in late November, before our eyes will be dilated and our hearts charged by John's gospel announcement. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And then with John... All the way from Advent to Easter, we'll walk with the life of Christ until that great day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the fulcrum on which world history balances, the the top on which salvation spins, the hinge on which the world turns, the climactic moment of the big, huge story of your whole life. I'm really only now repeating what theologians have been saying for a long time. My friend Sam Versteg is going to offer this from Leslie Newbegin. As we face new opportunities and new dangers, we are the people who know what it is to cross the Red Sea on dry land, to be fed with manna in the wilderness, to return from singing with Babylon, to stand before the cross, and to meet the risen Lord in the breaking of bread. This is our story, and it defines who we are. Sam's a freshman at Hope, a basketball player. He's got a left-handed jumper that I call the dagger. Calvin, beware. It's the big, huge story of your whole life. And today, Abraham and Sarah and the promise of their son, Isaac. Let me catch you up. God, Christians think God made the world. He, He made the whole world. He spoke the mountains into being and the seas into roaming, the sun He launched into the sky and the moon. He hung just beneath the heavens, caterpillars and roly-polies. He made it all, and he made us, you, me, humankind. And he blessed us by making us in his very image. We're the likeness of God in the world. And then the great catastrophe happened. We call it the fall, and the world has been spinning in chaos ever since, and we know the spin of its chaos. But God wasn't willing to leave us wallowing. He loves us too much, so he showed up to Adam and to Eve and to Cain too, and then he provided for Noah, and he came to Abraham. Abraham with his beloved wife, Sarah, and he promised them a boy, not only for their heart's satisfaction and their family's future, but for the good of the whole world. Listen to a little portion Of that story. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said. The Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son that Sarah had bore him. And Abraham circumcised Isaac on the eighth day as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, The Lord has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne Abraham a son in his old age. 
the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made festival on the day that Isaac was weaned after these things. God tested Abraham and said, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood of the burnt offering and he set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, he looked up and saw the place far away and he said to the two young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will return to you. So he placed the wood of the burnt offering on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. The boy said to his father, Abraham, Father, and Abraham said, Here I am, my son. And he said, There is the wood and the fire But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, The Lord himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar and placed the wood in order. And he bound his son, and he placed him on the altar, on top of the wood. And he reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. And the angel of the Lord said to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, now do not touch the boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And he went and he took the ram and he offered it as the burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. As it is said today, to this day, on the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. The angel of the Lord said to Abraham a second time from heaven, By myself I have sworn an oath, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you. And your offspring shall be like the stars in the heavens and the sand that is on the seashore. Your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemy through your offspring All the nations of the earth shall gain their blessing for themselves because you've obeyed my voice. And Abraham returned to the young men and they arose and went to Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. It's Genesis 21, verses 1 through 8, and then chapter 22 through verse 19. If you wanted to hit pause for a second and find it in a Bible, what do you make of this story? What do you do with this story? The story of the binding of Isaac. Christian history has narrated as an expression of Abraham's profound faith, and I'm not going to argue with Christian history, but as I'm reading now, as I'm wondering with you today, what do you do with a God who's willing to test you where you're most vulnerable? That's the question I want to gather around with you for a little while now. What do you do with a God who's willing to test you where you're most vulnerable? God had promised Abram a boy. He, he promised Sarai a child, not only for their own heart's delight and their family's future, but for the good of the whole world. Uh, Genesis 12, verse 3, if, if you want to find it with me. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, God promised to Abram. And then Genesis 15, verse 5, he basically says it again. He brought Abraham outside and said, look toward the heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said to Abraham, so shall your descendants be. The promise of a boy, the promise of a child. The promise to fulfill Abraham and Sarah's deepest longing, not only for themselves, but for the good of the whole world. And I'm just wondering now, if you'll take a moment to wonder with me, what, what is your heart's deepest longing? We can go big macro for a while if you'd like. I, I long for this pandemic to be over, for that virus to shrivel like a raisin and dry up like dust. I, that's a longing. I long for the vitriol of our public discourse and dialogue to give way to empathy and compassion, the capacity to listen that seems to have been lost like socks in the laundry. I long for us to treat each other as image bearers of the one who made us. That's a longing. What is your heart's deepest longing? I mean, it's it sounds kind of cheesy maybe, but like peace on earth? Can you, can you imagine women in Afghanistan rising to all that God intends for them and little boys in Palestine not having to wake up to the sounds of guns firing and bombs exploding? What do you long for? We can go big macro for a while. School shootings and economic in, inequities and racial injustices. Or we can take a few minutes to go micro and personal. What do you long for? got a friend who is so stuck in marriage, she cannot imagine waking up with a smile. Another friend who's so stuck at work, he has a job, he works his job, he hates his job, and cannot fathom a future full of any kind of meeting. Got a friend who received the diagnosis and the prognosis is a future filled with questions. It's really scary. What's your heart's deepest longing? Abraham and Sarah longed for a boy, not only for their heart's satisfaction, their family's future, but the promise was for the good of the whole world. And here we go. Here it is. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said. The Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. There we go. That's what we like. Promises fulfilled. That's how we like the story to end. And everyone lived happily ever after, but this story takes a turn. This story has a twist. 
after these things, after the fulfillment, after the boy, after the child, after the miracle one, the one on whose shoulders was the hope of the whole world, after these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. What do you do with a God who's willing to test you where you're most vulnerable? What do you do when God asks you to give back the promise? Give away the thing you were longing for. We, we love and I preach the great promises of the faith like Romans. If God is for us, who can be against us? We love and I preach the great promises like in the Gospel of Luke. Nothing will be impossible with God. We love and I preach over and over as many times as you'll let me. From Revelation, Jesus, behold, I'm making all things new. We love and I preach the great promises. But what do you do with a God who asks you to give away the promise? To give back the promise. It's an invitation into trust, not in the circumstances, but in the one who promises. Too quickly and too easily, we settle ourselves on just receiving what we wanted and don't orient our lives to the one who makes the promises, who provides what we need most. And then you probably noticed Abraham, after the sequence of events with Isaac, the angel of the Lord rehearses the promise. Indeed, I will bless you. Your offspring shall be as numerous as the stars in the heaven, the sand that is on the seashore. He's already promised that. He's only rehearsing the promise again as an invitation into action now. Will you trust not the promise, but the one who makes the promise? Will you move forward in faith even when the circumstances swirl? That's what the Heidelberg Catechism has been getting at. True faith is not only a certain knowledge by which we accept as true, but a wholehearted trust. Do you trust the one who makes the promise or just in the promise's fulfillment? And then you probably notice this story, this father-son story, points us to another father-son story. Your heart probably began to grow curious. Take your son your only son, whom you love. And I'm thinking of the New Testament now, when the heavens open, the dove descends, and the voice declares, this is my son, whom I love. Speaking of Jesus. And then, anytime you hear in the Bible, the third day, here it is, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Does it remind you at all of Jesus who said, on the third day, I will rise again? And then this agonizing moment, Abraham takes the wood of the burnt offering and places it on his son, Isaac. And I'm thinking, Jesus, in John's gospel, Jesus, carrying the cross by himself. And then little Isaac asks his father, Father, the wood and the fire, but where's the lamb? And John would later say, of Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And here we are now. Abraham binds Isaac. And years and years later, they would bind Jesus too and lead him away. This father-son story pointing to another father-son story. God providing finally fully what we can't do for ourselves. Jesus Christ takes on what we are. He becomes what we are so that we can become like he is. He becomes a child so that we can become children. And then the stunning line. 
the angel rehearses the promise. Because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, because you've done this, because you've done this is a rehearsal of the same thing that took place in Genesis 3. After Adam and Eve had eaten of the tree, they were told not to touch. And God curses the serpent and God curses the woman and God curses the ground the man is to work. Because you've done this, God says, and here we are now, echoing Genesis 3, but now offering the promise. Because you've done this, the promise that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Who turns despair into hope who turns pain into joy, who turns curse into blessing, who turns sadness into dancing, Jesus Christ. What do you do with a God who tests you where you're most vulnerable? Turn to Christ. Go the way of Jesus in this conflicted and complicated world. That's what you do. You rise early in the morning, you move forward in faith, towards Jesus Christ, who is God's provision for the whole world. I'm going to end with this from a book titled, Beauty Will Save the World. The cross is the beauty of Christianity because it is at the cross that we encounter co-suffering love and costly forgiveness in its most beautiful form. Christ upon the cross, arms outstretched in the gesture of proffered embrace, refusing to call upon avenging angels, but instead loving his enemies and praying for their forgiveness. This is the form and beauty of Christianity. The cruciform is the posture of love and forgiveness where retaliation is abandoned and outcomes are entrusted to the hands of God. The cross is laden with mystery. This is the mysterious beauty that saves the world. That's the big, huge story of your whole life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.